You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, my name is Kaylee Shore and this is Too Much to Say. I refuse to post a workout routine to try to prove that I'm skinny. I also kind of refuse to work out, so that's, that's probably part of it as well. But, <laughs> but don't go asking questions that you don't want answers to. I've got too much to say and I'll tell it all to you. Yeah. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for all the love on last week's episode, which was my first I went a little bit outside of my comfort zone. I've never launched a podcast before. I've never talked to myself uninterrupted, at least for 30 minutes. That was, that's a, that's the, that's the record for how long I've talked to myself for sure. But the, you know, I want to just say like outpouring of support was so amazing. And we only got two negative reviews and they were both because I said fuck too much, which, you know, they're not wrong, but I'm sorry, I can't. Not gonna, not gonna change that. It's just part of my vocabulary. And also, somebody sent me an article, my girl Stephanie Quill, um, that said that people who swear more are often more intelligent. So I'm just gonna latch onto that. And next time my mom gets on me about it, I'm gonna be like, Mom, I'm smart. That's why I say fuck. Being open about my eating disorder was kind of a long journey. I'd casually mentioned it on Instagram, and you know, I think in an interview here and there. But when I put it in my song Escape in the Bridge and talked about that in a song. That kind of was me really, really opening up. And I did an interview during quarantine with Laura Snapes at The Guardian, which is this really cool UK newspaper. She asked me something that nobody had ever asked me in an interview before. And she said, hey, so, you know, I've, I've noticed that you've kind of like hinted and, and pointed to having an eating disorder, but you've never really opened up about it in an interview, would you feel comfortable talking about it with me? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Why not? I'm in quarantine. I'm bored. Let's go there. And I just can't say enough like how thankful I was for how gentle she was with my story and, and how easy she made it to open up. Like I literally told her on the phone, I was like, should I be paying you? Cause I feel like you're definitely doing like a therapy role right now. But having somebody ask and, and give me a platform to talk about it. I felt like I really wanted to elaborate on it on the podcast and be able to share the full story. 
in a way that I couldn't necessarily in an interview, which is one of my favorite things about this podcast is I get to, you know, talk about things in long form and very conversationally. So this is the story of my body image journey and, uh, and self-love. So let's start at the very beginning. So when I was 11 years old, I was going through a pretty transitional time. I went to a pretty toxic Christian school where there was some really problematic doctrine, specifically towards young girls, and um, just very legalistic. I was questioning authority for the first time. I'd never, like, distrusted a pastor before. So that was difficult. I was making the really hard choice to not go visit my dad every other weekend anymore because in the custody agreement, I had the choice to not visit him, and I made that choice. So that was really hard. And I also was in the middle of my sister being in and out of prison, and it was just a lot for an 11-year-old girl to handle. I felt like I didn't have any control over my life or the situations or the people, and so I turned to control of food and my eating to compensate for that. I would not eat for, for days. I would, you know, just drink detox teas and run for hours and you know it just seemed like I liked track (laughs) and it wasn't that big of a deal from the outside but slowly I started losing weight and then I quickly started losing weight and it just spiraled and my mom was forced to be like oh is something wrong here so we talked about it and she took me to the eating disorder clinic in my hometown and I was officially diagnosed with anorexia by the time I was maybe 12. I do think I was 11. So I think that one of the difficult things about therapy from a parent's perspective is a lot of times if your child's going to therapy, you're going to, whether you know it or not. And the therapist is going to mediate and tell the parent the behaviors they have that might be affecting their child. And that's a difficult thing to hear. You know, and, and it's easy to write it off and be like, well, it's nobody's business how I'm parenting my child. But if it's affecting your child in that way, it's definitely worth talking about. And nobody's parents are perfect. I mean, I think one of the biggest things you learn in your 20s is that your parents are people too. And I think that that really freaked my mom out. And she wasn't ready to commit to that level of introspection on her part to see where these habits may have come from and and where I may have seen them for the first time. So the day I got diagnosed was the last time I ever saw a doctor about it. Instead, my mom decided to take me to the pastor of our church and bless his heart, but he'd never, he wasn't a doctor. He'd never been licensed in any way to work with an 11-year-old girl who's eating nothing because she doesn't know how to cope with the things that are happening around her. And Basically, it just came down to, quote-unquote, the power of prayer, which I'm not denying the importance of spirituality and faith at all. But it can't be the only thing that you're doing. Modern medicine and therapy exist for a reason. You're not undermining God's abilities by seeing a therapist and seeing somebody who has gone to school to handle these situations. So after that, you know, I, I can't say that I got a single thing 
out of talking to a pastor um, and my eating disorder just got worse and worse and it would pop up. I would, you know, be fine for a few months then I wouldn't be. And it wasn't like I didn't eat from 11 to 18, but there were a lot of periods in between that I didn't. And it looked a lot of different ways. Sometimes I would be working out too much. Sometimes I wouldn't be eating. Sometimes I would binge and purge. And the official name for what I had is anorexia with bulimic tendencies. As I got more into my teenage years, it got worse because I had access to the internet. And this was before Instagram was really a thing, but Tumblr was everywhere. And it was so like hard to log on there. And I would just see these girls with the perfect thigh gap and, you know, they'd have their collarbones and it just all seemed very like elegant and and romanticized. And as I dove down those rabbit holes, I found this community and they were called pro Anna and pro Mia as in anorexia and bulimia. And it was literally a community of people with eating disorders encouraging other people to have eating disorders. And that sounds crazy. Like it sounds sociopathic, but when you're caught up in that lifestyle, finding this community can feel so like everything you've been needing. Cause you feel so isolated and so alone in what you're going through. And it was like sharing your weight stats and your, your goal BMI and all these numbers and the numbers are the problem. And I just, got so deep into it, I couldn't get out. I actually went back and I found my my blog from when I was dealing with that. It was anonymous, and it's just so heartbreaking, the things that I would post, you know, like, willpower is power. Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Also, big fat lie, I don't know if you have ever um, had an Impossible Burger, but <laughs> that tastes better than skinny feels, for sure. And I just spiraled and it got so much worse and it was definitely exacerbated by Tumblr and that sort of culture that was happening. Since then, you know, different social media sites have started to flag that material and it's a lot harder to find, which like, thank God, but it was so accessible at that point. You could just literally go to the hashtag pro Anna and you were off to the races. There were so many things I missed out on in high school because of my eating disorder when I was going through an episode, for lack of a better word, I would not go out with my friends. I wouldn't go get pizza because I'd get such deep anxiety about if I would eat too much, if I would overeat, if people would judge me for how much I was eating because I hadn't eaten in five days. And then when I would eat something, I'd eat like half a pizza. And it just was so hard to manage and I didn't have any resources. And I remember going to both of my parents <laughs> And telling them what was going on, and they just didn't take it seriously. And again, parents are people too, but this is what happened, and I want to tell my story transparently because I know there's a lot of you out there who probably feel similarly. I mean, I've heard from some of you guys like through Instagram DMs and just telling me like your stories, and, and I, I just want you to know that you're not alone and it doesn't mean your parents don't love you. It just means that they're going through something themselves. I went through a period when I turned 18 where I was pulling myself out of the eating disorder. I kind of had this moment. I had passed out. I hadn't eaten in five days, and I woke up like four hours later on my bedroom floor, and I was just like, 
why the fuck am I not eating? Like, I look fine. Like, it honestly really hardly ever had anything to do with what I looked like. And I was never, like, looking around at other people being like, oh, my God, that person's so fat. It was just a control thing. And I felt like if I was empty, I was clean. I mean, I don't even know how to fully describe it. It was just, like, this desire to be empty. And I was like, why am I doing this? And I was also taking an AP psychology class and I had done a thesis on nature and nurture and like which one is the bigger component into your predisposition to having an eating disorder. And it turns out like most things, it's like 50-50. And writing that paper and doing the research and, and learning the the mental processes behind it, it wasn't just like an, a habit. It was like an actual mental illness. And truthfully, it has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. So people are dying from it. And obviously people die from other mental illnesses as well. But this one is like just the fast track to destroying your body and maybe dying. It's really sad and it's really dark and it's something that affects really young people. And it's not just girls. I'm talking a lot about girls on this podcast, but male eating disorders and body image issues are so underdiagnosed. So don't think I'm, I'm not acknowledging those at all. It's just my personal experiences having an eating disorder and being a girl. So after several years of doing better, having that epiphany, I was in a relationship and, you know, I would have periods where I would like try some Pinterest diet that was like drinking lemonade with cayenne pepper in it and fasting for several days. But it wasn't like, it wasn't the same as when I was like fully in my eating disorder, but it was just as bad. Like I just wasn't, I was convincing myself that it was like a diet for like health reasons And that's why I think that the wellness community can be so, so damaging. Then it popped back up in 2018 after I went through the breakup trademark sign that inspired my album open book and um, just the rapid period of growth that happened personally over the next two years. I look back at pictures of myself now and I'm like, oh, I wasn't skinny. I was hungry. And that's why I called the episode hungry is the new skinny because it's so important to know the distinction and it's so easy to get caught up in the scale and the numbers and, and quote unquote wellness and be like, I'm, I'm getting thin, I'm getting skinny. But like, if you're hungry and you're miserable, like you're not happy and you can't say that you're healthy even if you're healthy on the outside, you're taking all the right vitamins, you're working out all the time, you have a six pack, you only eat quote unquote clean foods. If your brain is a nightmare, if you're looking in the mirror and you hate yourself, if you feel like absolute garbage, if you went over your calorie allotment for the day, if you need to go do a you know workout class and burn 400 calories just because you ate a pack of M&Ms, like that's not healthy and you have to be healthy in your body and your mind in order to be that and, and to put that label on yourself and say that I'm into health and wellness. You're not well. <laughs> and and I'm saying that because that was me. Like when I look back on those photos, it's just crazy. Like there was one red carpet I walked in 2018. I think it was the CMT Awards. And people love to compliment you when you lose weight. And they're like, wow, you look great. And like, wow, you've lost so much weight. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> not eating. Um, having five Coronas and an English muffin a day. 
like that was it. It was just a really rough period. And I remember on that red carpet, I hadn't eaten anything all day and I was feeling so lightheaded and red carpets are like really intense. Like you're doing interview after interview, you're trying to make sure every angle is right. And it's just like, it's a really stressful, like 20 minute period, but they're very fun. Unless you haven't been eating all day, in which case you're going to be miserable. And I remember there was like three minutes before the show. And I told my manager, I was like, if I don't eat something right now, I think I'm going to pass out. So he like ran outside in Bridgestone Arena and like got me a piece of pizza and ran back. And like I scarfed it down with like 30 seconds before the show started. And I was like on camera. So that was a whole thing. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. As I processed the breakup, I had to process other things about myself. I didn't just have to be like... Oh, how do I get over this boy? I had to be like, how do I fucking love myself when I feel so unlovable? I mean, I've just been cheated on. I lost someone I've been with for six years. Like, I feel like I don't deserve to be loved, and that's why that happened. And then I was like, oh, well, why do I feel like I don't deserve to be loved? And when you're recovering, everything comes back to you, and you have to, like, go dive back into your childhood and your parents and and what that looks like. And... As I went through recovery, I started going to therapy. I started seeing a psychiatrist and I got help for myself and I got the help that I didn't get as a child. And I realized where I learned those habits from. Like, yes, it was the internet, but also like everything, as you'll realize in therapy, a lot of it stems from your parents. And my parents had their own issues with food. My mom used to be a model. She was in the Miss USA pageant. She's very, very beautiful. But after she had five children, her body changed. That's just what happens. (laughs) And she started to 
want her body back the way it was before. But like another thing that's really important to acknowledge, especially for women is as over time, your hormones, your body changes, you have children like, and also, you know, what's way cooler than having a six pack creating fucking life out of thin air and just having a child and, and making people like that's so much cooler than being skinny. And when you're holding yourself to this unattainable goal of looking like you did at 17 or looking like you did before you had a child, you're going to be disappointed. Like sometimes it's even more damaging to compare yourself to you 10 years ago or five years ago than it is to compare yourself to somebody on Instagram. So my mom would always be doing a diet being like, oh, I lost three pounds or whatever. And oh, no, I gained it back. And I'm like, humans fluctuate weight like that so easily. I mean, like you can retain a lot of water because you ate some chips and, and had some salt and then you're bloated for a couple days. That doesn't mean you're fat. It just means that that's what your body's doing. <laughs> and then my dad is really into holistic health stuff and, and organic food and, you know, he's really into that sort of that corner of the wellness, you know, hobby industry, whatever. And he's also been a vegetarian for 45 years, like a really long time. And I think that that's been a restrictive thing for him. Um, it's also ethical. That's also why I don't eat meat. Um, but I also don't judge anybody else. And, and I had to kind of eat me in order to go through recovery because any sort of limiting myself or restricting or feeling guilty if I ate something like I needed to get rid of that. And now I'm at a place where I feel like I can also, they have impossible burgers now. So that's wonderful. Cause those are so freaking good. Um, but my dad would put this pressure on himself and then subsequently me. And if my sisters brought home McDonald's and I was eating it, I'd get side eye and he would be like, you know, there's so much junk in that. It's so bad for you. And like, yeah, he's not wrong. Like fast food is not good for you. But if you eat a happy meal, like once you're not going to die from it, like your body naturally detoxifies. And, and it was always him talking about chemicals and toxins and all this stuff that's in your food. And like, yeah, that's true. Like don't eat McDonald's every single day for your entire life. But I grew up thinking that there was this distinction between foods that were clean and foods that were dirty and that's also perpetuated by the wellness industry and that's so bad because like the clean versus dirty thing good versus evil like you start to look at a piece of cake and think that it's like satan incarnate and that's just not accurate like it's something that will make you happy in moderation and my grandma would, you know, make a German chocolate cake cuz my my family they're uh, German immigrants and she made like the best cake ever and my dad would like, you know, be a little judgy if I ate it. And it came from what he thought was a good place, which was teaching me good habits and, and helping me be healthy. But it ended up just really not helping. Um, so being able to put my finger on that in therapy was really helpful because I was like, oh, that's where that comes from. That's where I learned that. And being able to acknowledge that is such an important part in moving past it. And just because I consider myself to be recovered from my eating disorder doesn't mean it won't pop up again if I get stressed. That's just how life works. Um, but it does mean that I have a lot more resources to fight it if it does, if those thoughts creep back in. And I may be able to go my whole life without ever having anything other than the thoughts. Um, 
I really hope that I'm able to, to fight off the habits and never fall down that rabbit hole again of like physically not eating and, and overworking out and all that stuff. But just because it's gone doesn't mean it doesn't affect me. I still find myself to be really weird and controlling about food. Not so much in the amount that I have, but I have like weird little mini panic attacks. If I wanted to go to a certain restaurant and especially during coronavirus, like you get there and it's closed and that was the only thing I wanted and I got really fixated on that. And then I have to change what I was going to eat. And I kind of have a freak out and then I'll be like, I'm not even hungry. And like one time um, I cried in front of my ex-boyfriend's entire family on a road trip because we got to Arby's and they were out of roast beef. And I literally had to go to the bathroom and cry. And then I was like, I'm not even hungry. And I hadn't eaten in like hours because we were driving through Wyoming and there's not many rest stops. And it was, it was pretty embarrassing. And, and that's how that manifests for me now. Now, I found being able to talk about it with my friends is is really important, and I know so many boys and girls and men and women who've gone through the same thing, and being able to talk about it is so, so, so important because you're like, oh, okay, that's not me dieting, that's me not eating, and, and being able to like recognize that. I feel like because I've had an eating disorder, I can tell really, really quickly if someone else is going through that because it's like this fixation on talking about dieting, on talking about your body, on doing the thing on Instagram where you zoom in on a girl's six pack and you just dissect the picture. And when I see people doing that, you know, without being aggressive, I'm like, Hey buddy, like, do you want to talk about that? (laughs) But one of the best pieces of advice I ever got for body image and how it applies to being a woman in the industry was from my friend, Kelsey Ballerini. And we were talking about the pressures that are put on you know, girls in music and and entertainment. And she was like telling me about this epiphany that she'd had in her own body image, self-love journey, where she was like, wait a second, I'm trying to make myself look like Gigi Hadid. Why? I'm, I'm a musician. Like it is not my job to look like that. Like if you're a model, yes, it makes sense that you have to like maintain a certain look and like work towards that and have the perfect spray tan and the perfect hair all the time. But like Kelsey's job and my job is to perform and put on a really fucking good show and write music that makes people feel things and like put positive stuff into the universe. And being skinny has nothing to do with that. I mean, it has nothing to do with that. So I think that the industry can be so toxic. And so for me, having all of this back story, back history with disordered eating and then throwing myself into the music industry where you're like under a literal fucking microscope all the time wasn't wasn't easy and I think that that's you know kind of part of why I had a a relapse in 2018 and why I have to try so hard every day to wake up and be like think good thoughts think good things about yourself shut up that little voice in the back of your head telling you that you look fat in that picture or your arm is bad or whatever And I think that when you're just having pictures taken at different angles all the time, I mean, especially with like camera phones, oh my God, I just said camera phones. I mean like smartphones. God, I sound so old. Who has said camera phones anytime in the past like five years? God. Okay. Anyways, (laughs) phones with cameras. 
makes things so weird because you know like y'all will be in the front row taking a picture upwards and I'm like oh my god I have like 12 chins I don't have 12 chins it's just a bad angle even Jennifer freaking Aniston has bad angles probably slightly fewer than I do because you know Queen Jennifer but still like everybody has bad angles and the average musician has to probably be like a size two, but the average American woman is a size 16 and they're still healthy. Like I'm going to post something on my Twitter. That's a uh, article that I found that was really helpful. And it's about all the misconceptions we have about obesity and how, if you are fat, you're unhealthy. Like, no, you just have fat. Like, like I refuse to believe that Lizzo is not more in shape than I am. Like, Lizzo, I've seen her put on a show. She's running around stage. She has like this crazy lung capacity, which only happens if you're like working out all the time where she can like belt these massive notes and still be dancing and doing all this crazy stuff. And like, you're just not going to convince me that she's not quote unquote in shape. And she's fucking gorgeous. I mean, like, it's just, I'm so happy that people like Lizzo exist because seeing somebody who's writing such good music and is so talented and so cool and like can play the flute but somehow make it like really really cool can also be bigger like you don't have to be skinny to be the coolest fucking person on the planet clearly I'm a big Lizzo fan over here and then on the other end of the spectrum you're looking at celebrities who are posting these skinny teas and these detox supplements and all this stuff like again your body detoxes naturally that shit is just exactly that. It's just garbage. It's just shit. And (laughs) speaking of shit, detox teas, y'all, they're just laxatives. Like, yeah, okay, you're going to lose five pounds because you're going to like shit your brains out. And um, I know that's gross, but that's what it is. So anytime you see an Instagram model posting like, oh my God, check out my detox tea, use code, you know, skinny 10 for 10% off, they're shitting their brains out later if they're actually consuming that. And truth is, they're probably not. So when you see a Kardashian posting a picture with this tea, like maybe they didn't even drink it. And if they did, it's not why they're skinny. They're skinny because genetics and they have personal trainers and they can afford like really healthy food and like meal plans and private chefs. And that's like why celebrities are really, really skinny and really in shape. And also like they're able to bring a personal trainer, like traveling with them. They're able to do all these things. And like, y'all know, like fitness classes are really expensive and they can afford that. So don't fool yourself into thinking that the reason they're skinny is because of this stupid tea. And I actually turned down a sponsorship thing with, um, teamy teas because I completely just disagree with the message. I think it's really screwy and like I'm into homeopathic supplements like I have a drawer full of teas for different things but (laughs) shitting my brains out is not one of them and so I turned down a deal with them and like honestly I kind of needed the money at that point but I was like no fuck you (laughs) and even for this podcast when we were talking about like you know the point in it where we get potential advertisers on board they're like are there any things you won't work with any companies you won't work with and I was like companies that test on animals and anything that promotes dieting or or supplements that are for weight loss or anything like that like I'm just not going to do it screw that so it's been an interesting journey to self-love obviously being in the industry doesn't make it any easier but I just want you guys to know like I 
promise to do everything I can as an artist and a quote unquote role model, which like I kind of hate that term, but I understand people are, are looking at me and then watching what I'm doing. I refuse to post a workout routine to try to prove that I'm skinny. I also kind of refuse to work out. So that's, that's probably part of it as well. But, <laughs> um, I've found things that are really helpful for me that don't involve numbers. I love, love, love yoga. And I found that that's been really helpful because it's not about how much I'm burning like fat wise or calorie wise, but it's about what my body can do. And like being able to do crow pose and balance my entire body on two hands or do a headstand for like five minutes straight. Like that's cool. I'm like, Oh wow. My body can do cooler things than just be skinny. And it's also so good for my mind, which like I said, like wellness is about your mind and your body and you can't have one without the other. And then I also just love getting out and doing things with my friends, like going and locking myself in a gym and running on a treadmill towards nothing for an hour. Like that doesn't sound fun. I've done that. I hate it. All I think about is the other things I should be doing and the other things I want to be doing. So getting out with my friends and doing things like longboarding or even just going for a walk or anything active that's like outside and fun, but like not torturing myself. Like if you wake up and you like need to go to the gym, quote unquote, but you're like dreading it and you're like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be miserable the entire time. Like, why are you doing it? Like there's ways to be active that you're going to enjoy that are going to be fun. And I think we need to find those things for ourselves that we're not like hating every second of life when we're working out and on a treadmill. So I hope that you guys took something good away from this episode. This is just my story. Like I said, it looks a lot of different ways for different people, but I just wanted to share this and kind of elaborate. Thank you so much for tuning in. I would love it if you guys would tweet me at Kaylee Shore, Instagram DM me. Let me know what you thought of this episode. If you have any questions, this is only the second one. So we're still kind of figuring out what the structure is, what you guys are liking, what you're not. So just be honest. I want to know your thoughts and I want to make this as good as possible. I'm having so much fun doing it already and your response has meant so much. So be sure to let me know if you have any questions and I hope you guys have a really great week. I'll see you next Wednesday. And this has been too much to say. I'm Kaylee Shore. Y'all are dope. But don't go asking questions This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. 
It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 